today. Turn in your Bibles to, to Judges chapter 13. And we are looking at this very important and amazing person called Samson. Now, he's sort of a tragic figure in the Old Testament. Um, Lily and I were discussing him on the way here today. And, you know, Samson uh, was used by God, but he lived sort of a tragic life. He never really got the things that he wanted. Um, he was always looking for love in all the wrong places, like that old country song, right? He had several women that he chased after, but none of them really loved him back with what we would call true unconditional love. And so he's, he's a tragic figure, and yet he's a judge of Israel called by God as a rescuer for God's people. And you see over and over again how God used Samson, even though he's a tragic person, um, we can see some, some spiritual truths that we can apply to our lives from it. So the, the, um, the circumstances of Samson's birth is pretty interesting. There's a man named uh, Manoah, who is from the tribe of Dan, who lived in the town of Zorah, near wh where today is the modern day of es uh, village of Eskel, Eskel, which is just west of Jerusalem, between the Mediterranean Sea and Jerusalem. It's a very rocky place. Um, I was trying to compare it to some place in Colorado. If you've ever been to Whitewater, Colorado, between uh, Grand Junction and Montrose. Um, there's a lot of bushes there. It's high desert. Olives would grow there. They have vineyards there in the wine country of Colorado. It's deserty and yet warm. And so that was this kind of the climate of where he was born. And Manoah belonged to this tribe of Dan. Now, the interesting about the tribes of Israel, we only know of two of, tri two of the 12 tribes right now. Uh, I'm sure with 23andMe and DNA testing, we're going to get closer and closer to, to the tribes of Israel in the, in the days ahead. But uh, we know the, the, the tribe of the Levites, the Kohen, the Cohen tribe, if you ever met a Jewish person with the last name Cohen, they're actually from the tribe of Levi. And everyone else is from the tribe of Judah, most likely. And then there were 10 scattered tribes during the diaspora, when the other tribes scattered all over the world uh, from the Babylonian exile and from the Roman conquering and from just the dispersion of Jewish people. Now, what's super interesting, this tribe of Dan, they think that three of the tribes, three of the northern tribes fled north in some people believe think that the danish the denmark they may be part of the tribe of dan dan dane denmark and so there's some historians in the british museum some people in in a norse uh verbal tradition that believe that three three of those tribes were Dan, Asher, and Naphtali fled north. So we don't know if that's true, but my wife could be, she could be related to, to Samson because she's Danish. Who knows, right? Who knows? Maybe, maybe not. But this tribe, it kind of fits. You look at Viking culture and you, you look at the Norse. This is a heavy drinking culture. This is a very promiscuous culture. This what you see in the stories of Samson. It's very much like a Viking story. And uh, so I'm going to just summarize the instance of his birth. Manoah, Manoah's wife, we never get Samson's mom's name. She's only known as the mother of Samson. She's only known as Manoah's wife. But she gets a visitation from an angel. And the angel says, you're going to give birth to a warrior of Israel, a, a rescuer, a deliverer for Israel. So don't drink any wine. Don't eat any grapes. Um, eat the special diet. Eat kosher. Keep kosher. 
And so she tells Manoa this, and Manoa's like, ah, I'll believe that when the angel visits me. And guess what happens? The angel visits Manoa and says the exact same thing that he said to his wife. So husbands, listen to your wife. She might actually be telling you the truth. So an angel visits Manoah and says, no, you, you, you need to take care of this baby. This baby is going to be a deliverer of Israel. And don't drink wine, don't eat grapes, eat kosher, keep kosher, because this baby is going to grow up and be a deliverer for Israel. And so they're living near a lot of uh, Philistines at the time, a lot of outsiders of Israel. It's the time of the judges that we've been studying. Israel is surrounded by her enemies in Eshkel. And so this angel appears to Manoah and says, Hey, you know, this is the time. This is the time. You're, you're, you're set apart. Your son is going to be set apart, holy, for God's purposes. You know that you're set apart? You know the church is supposed to be set apart? We Christians are supposed to be set apart and holy? We shouldn't partake in all the, all the sins of this world. We shouldn't behave like other people. We shouldn't talk like other people. We shouldn't be getting drunk like other people and cussing other people out and setting a poor example. We're set apart. We're holy. We're supposed to be like Jesus. There should be a difference between us and those who don't believe in God. And so, in the same way that Samson was set apart, we're supposed to be set apart. So Manoah gets this vision, and he's so astounded by this angel and, and the story that he brings uh, like a sacrifice to the angel to show his reverence. Like, this is amazing. Okay. So he puts, the, just like Gideon, he puts a sacrifice on a rock, and, and a fire consumes the sacrifice from underneath the rock, and the flames go up into the sky. And this time, the angel floats up into the fire and goes up into heaven. So you're like, wow, wouldn't that be amazing if someone just started floating, got into the fire, and then goes up into the sky and disappears? Well, that's what this angel does. Pretty fun, right? That's quite a display. That's quite a, that's, that, that's a pretty good trick. Pretty good trick. And so this, this all happens the way the angel said it was going to happen. Samson's born, and she, she names, Samson's mother names him Samson, and he grows up in this, amongst their enemies, and he's near a town called Timnah, and he's looking for a wife, and you know, he's looking for a pretty girl. His mom and dad are saying, why don't you find a good Jewish girl here in town? He's like, no, none of these girls do it for me. I want to go over there to Timnah. They have pretty girls over in Timnah. And, but, but it's, son, those are Gentiles over there. Those are all Philistines. Because I don't care. Those, those chicks are hot. I'm going over there. So he goes and finds a girl that he really likes in Timnah. And he goes back home to Manoah, mom and dad. He says, I found this for me. Because in Jewish culture, you couldn't just go get the girl. Your parents had to arrange the marriage on your behalf. So they're like, okay, son, I guess we'll go. We'll go over to Timnah. And on his way to Timnah to make arrangements for the wedding, he runs across a, a lion. And he slays this lion, he kills the lion, rips its jaw open and just bleeds out on the ground. It's Samson, man. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. He had like a holy anger. He was kind of like the Hulk. Like, don't get me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. It's exactly, he goes from David Banner to being the Hulk. Like something would come over Samson, it was called the Spirit of the Lord. And he would become supernaturally strong. Who, who in the world could rip a lion's jaw off of its face? Got to be pretty, pretty strong for that. So he leaves the carcass there, goes to Timnah, make the arrangements. And his parents go, they make the arrangement for the wedding. 
And on the way back, uh, a few a few weeks later, apparently, some bees had come and made a nest in the carcass of the of the lion, because probably jackals had come and eaten all the meat, and so the rib cage had a had a bee's nest in it. So Samson scooped out the honey from the <laughs> from the bee's nest. Okay, another tough thing. Who would say, who would scoop out honey from a bee's nest because you were hungry? Apparently, nothing hurt the guy. Like. A couple bees just swat them away like flies. Here's some honey. You know, I'm gonna take that to the wedding banquet. Here, mom and dad. And he didn't tell them where it came from, because that would not be kosher. You could not eat honey from an unkosher animal like a lion. You're not supposed to eat lions in Jewish dietary law. So Samson is breaking all kinds of laws. He said, hey, don't don't drink wine, don't eat grapes, eat kosher. He's not eating kosher. And from from these banquets and parties he's going to, we know he's drinking wine, and we know he's sleeping with prostitutes. He's doing all kinds of things that break Levitical law. And yet, his hair, his Nazarite vow is intact, the Spirit of the Lord comes over him, and at times he has God's favor for strength. But he kind of hates his Jewishness. He kind of despises his culture. He doesn't like the fact that he's Jewish. He'd almost rather be a Philistine if he could be. And so he did whatever he wanted. You know, Samson was a lot like an American. I'll do what I want. Nobody tells me what to do. Like, how dare you tell me that last call's at 10 p.m.? How dare you close the dispensary during a pandemic? Come on, somebody, right? Samson did what, what Samson wanted to do. And nobody tells me what to do. Well, God, God used that rebellious spirit against the Philistines. He used it for his own purpose. But Samson sort of lived a charmed life. He did whatever he wanted. And in the end, that hedonism, that pleasure-seeking, it didn't satisfy. It didn't make him happy. He ended up being one of the most tragic figures in the Old Testament. And so, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter, boy, this is really bright, isn't it? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 25, that says that sin is pleasurable for a season. It's fun for a little while. In Proverbs, it says that there's a way that seems right to a person, but in the end, it leads to death. It can, it can seem good, you're trucking along good for a little while, but after a while, there's an aftertaste. There's a bite to it. Sin has a bite to it. And... Samson discovers that. If you look further in into Judges 14 verses 19 through 20, it says, Then the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him, and he, he had made a bet with these guys at the wedding ceremony. He said, I'll give you a riddle. He says, and if you can solve it, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll trade for a bunch of clothing, nice clothing. He said, Out of the one who eats came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. He said, If you can guess what this riddle means, uh, then I'll buy you all new sets of clothes. But if I, if you can't guess it, then you buy me a bunch of clothes. And so, oh, thank you. And so they, he, he reveals the secret to his girlfriend. And of course, all the guys are in cahoots with his girlfriend because she doesn't really love him. And they, they win the bet. And he gets so angry that um, he destroys these people. His anger gets the best of him over and over again. And so, what we can learn is that um, God can use righteous anger. 
in, in Samson's life, he becomes angry over and over again, but there's a righteousness to his anger. He says, if you hadn't plowed with my heifer, you wouldn't have learned the secret to my riddle. And so he, he took their belongings and he gave the clothing to the men um, from Philistines who had solved the riddle. So he paid his debt in, in, in the bet, but he took the clothing from Philistines. So he kept on stealing from the enemies. And it, God kept on using every angry episode of Samson to, to quash the enemies of Israel. So God can use even your righteous anger uh, for good purposes. So over and over again, Samson is using his anger for vengeance. And of course, this kind of flies in the face of New Testament teaching. Jesus says, right, bless those who curse you. Do good to those that hate you. Right? Those who despitefully use you. You know, if someone slaps you on the face, give them your other cheek. He's a love your enemies, right? That's that. This is not Samson's m- mode of operation at all, and yet this is righteous anger in the Old Testament. It's how God was functioning to bring justice for the people of Israel. The Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians, chapter four, verse twenty-six, he says, "Be angry, and do not sin, and do not do not let the sun go down on your anger." So, is it okay to be angry? Yes. It's okay to be angry, but do not sin while you're angry. Anger can actually work the righteousness of God. Jesus was angry when he cleared the temple. He turned over the tables. He took a whip to the merchants who were taking advantage of the poor people in the temple. Jesus was mad. He said, how dare you do this to my father's house? It says in in the scriptures that my house will be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. So it's okay to be angry. Just so long as you're on the right side of that anger. And you're angry. The things that anger God are the things that anger you. Not all anger is justified, but righteous anger is. And so we see this over and over again. And Samson takes vengeance on the Philistines. And one particular time, and this is uh, Judges chapter 15, I'm going to just read a little bit of it. Later on during the wheat harvest, Samson took uh, a young goat as a present to his wife. He said, I'm going to my wife's room to sleep with her, but her father wouldn't let him in. I truly thought you must hate her, her father explained. So I gave her in marriage to the best man. So unlucky at love. But look, her younger sister is even more beautiful than she is. Marry her instead. <laughs> some, some father-in-law, huh? Samson said, this time I cannot be blamed for everything I'm going to do to you Philistines. How we would not want to hear a big guy say something like that to you? (laughs) He says, then he went out and caught 300 foxes and tied their tails together in pairs. And he fastened a torch to each pair of the tails. He lit the torches and let the foxes run through the grain fields of the Philistines. He burned all their grain to the ground, including the sheaves and the uncut grain. He also destroyed their vineyards and their olive groves. So no more bread, no more wine, no more olive oil. So Samson is taking all kinds of revenge. And I think he's, he learned the lesson. Hit him where it hurts. The pocketbook. <laughs> that's what God does. He hits you where it hurts. The pocketbook. And that's kind of true for Americans too. We don't feel it until we feel it. In our pocketbook until we until it hits the bottom line 
And I don't know what to think about all that in the New Testament context, but we see that God is using Samson's anger for righteous purposes. And I think there's a place for Christians to have justified anger. I don't think it's okay to be hateful, but I do think it's okay to, to stand up for a righteous cause. And at times, to share your feelings in honesty and not mask your true emotions. There's something, tr there's something authentic about being rigorously honest. And so then Samson, at the end of this battle, he kills 3,000 men. Um, and with the jawbone, actually killed a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. And how many guys? I know my son Max is here. He loves WWE. You know the very favorite things he loves about WWE is they they trash talk each other for about five or ten minutes before the fight, and then after the fight they're like, "I told you, you were going down. How dare you!" Like, come on, anybody watch WWE? You know what I'm talking about. This is Samson, probably not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but he sure loved to boast. So after he kills these thousand guys with a donkey's jawbone, he says this, With the jawbone of a donkey, I have piled them in heaps. With the jawbone of a donkey, I've killed a thousand men. Right? Can you imagine it? I can. I get like Andre the Giant or somebody like that, but this is an ordinary guy. And he's trash talking all the enemies, and they got nothing to say. I mean, who do you, how do you stand against a warrior who's got the spirit of the Lord on him? Pretty amazing. But we see some warning signs with Samson. After this battle with the with the jawbone of a donkey, he gets very very thirsty, and he gets really dramatic with God. And here's here's, here's his prayer to God. He's now very thirsty. He cried out to the Lord. This is, God, this is Samson talking to the Lord now. He's, he's praying. You have accomplished this great victory by my strength of your servant. Now must I die of thirst and fall into the hands of these pagans? So who prays like that? Like, I, first of all, God's not threatened by your prayers, okay? So um, emotional, emotional outburst, maybe a little too much testosterone. I'm not sure what that is, right? <laughs> But that was the first warning sign, like, Samson, calm down. That's God you're talking to. Uh, <laughs> he was given to emotional outbursts. And angry people often are, right? Hungry! <laughs> you ever see the Snickers commercial? You're not you when you're hungry. And suddenly you're a diva, right? <laughs> Samson, drink something, eat something. You're not you when you're hungry. <laughs> Get a Snickers. But we see he's driven by his emotional outbursts over and over again, by his animal appetites, by his base nature. Thirsty. I can't sleep. And so in the next story, he's in Gaza, and he's partying with the Philistines again. And they're like, oh, we're going to get him at midnight. Well, as soon as he's asleep, man, we're going to get him. And he goes, at midnight, he wakes up. Can't sleep. Guess I need to work out. I need to work out, everybody. So he goes to the city gates and rips them off their hinges and carries them to the top of the hill across from Gaza. I'm tired. I can't sleep. Gotta work out. Thirsty. Oh, that girl's pretty. Ooh, she's so pretty. Thirsty. Tired. Dare I say it? Horny, right? Base nature. Only following his fleshly desires, bodily urges. And you're in a danger place, dangerous place if you're only following your base nature all the time. So I want to do what I want to do. You can't tell me what to do. 
You're like one of those WWE guys. I'm cal calm down. Control yourself. What are you doing? And that, yes, chillax, exactly. And that leads us to the probably the saddest part of the story. So his first wife didn't work out, right? And so Samson heads over to another town after Gaza. He finds this extremely pretty lady named Delilah. How many of you ever heard of Delilah before? Delilah was his downfall. Like the queen prostitute of the Philistines. She's the one who trapped him completely. She's like, oh, you big, strong lug. Come here, you. And he, he just is putty in her hands. Whatever she says, he's like, oh, talk to me again. That's amazing. You're so pretty. <laughs> what happens is, I'll read this. The Philistines go to her in secret and they entice, he, they say, entice Samson to tell you what makes him so strong and how he can be overpowered and tie him securely. Then each of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver each of them. So we don't know how exactly how many, if all of them collectively gave the, gave her 1100 or multiple numbers of them gave them 1100, gave her 1100 pieces of silver. But in today's money, if only one of them gave her 1100 pieces of silver and each piece of silver was an ounce, silver is 22 bucks an ounce. 1100 pounds of silver would be $387,200. And it might have been three to five or 10 or 20 guys gave her. She might have gotten millions of dollars for turning on Samson. She prostituted herself to kill Samson. And it's a sad story. You know the, you know the, the story of how she go through it. So, so they go through the motion. She says, Samson, why don't you tell me how you get so strong? And he says, and he lies to her. He says, ah, uh, well, if you tie me up some new bowstrings, I'll become so weak you won't even live. I won't be able to take it. And then I'll be just come as weak as any other man. So he falls asleep, she ties him with the bowstrings. He wakes up, snaps the bowstrings like like nothing, like dental floss. She's like, Samson, you lied to me. How dare you? What's the secret to your strength? It's not the bowstrings. And he lies again. He lies again for different reasons. He says, if you, if you take my hair and you weave it into a weaver's loom, then I'll become as weak as any other man. So he falls asleep with his head in her lap and she weaves his hair. The Bible says he had seven braids. Maybe dreadlocks, probably actual braids. Braided them into a loom. And he wakes up. He just snaps that whole thing off, breaks him up, kills a bunch of Philistines. It's like, Samson, you lied to me again. How dare you? I thought you loved me. Tell me the secret to your strength. I mean, you'd think a smart guy would figure it out. Like, hey, this lady might be trying to kill me. Right? And yet, so finally, he gets tired of her asking, and he tells her the secret to his strength. He says, Delilah pouted, How can you tell me I love you and you don't share your secret with me? You've made fun of me these three times now and you still you haven't told me what makes you so strong. She tormented him with her nagging day and night until after he was sick to death. Finally, Samson shared his secret with her. My hair has never been cut, he confessed, for I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from my birth. 
And if I were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as anyone else. And Delilah realized that he had finally told her the truth. So she sent for the Philistine rulers, come back one more time, she said, for he has finally told me a secret. So the Philistine rulers returned the money in, with the money in their hands, and Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with her he his head in her lap, and she called him in to shave off the seven locks of his hair. Seven locks. I think that's significant. I'm going to share that in a second. In this way, she began to bring him down, and his strength began to leave him. Another translation says, in this way she tormented him. And then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines are upon you to capture you and she woke up and thought and he he woke up and, and thought I will do as it before and shake myself free but here's a key line but he didn't realize that the Lord had left him how do you not know when God left you you've been doing your own thing so long have no idea you don't care what God wants for you you're not listening to his voice you're not sensitive to him you don't listen to his law his heart had become hard. He didn't even know that God had left him. So the Philistines captured him. They gouged out his eyes. They took him to Gaza where he was bound in bronze chains and forced him to grind grain in the prison. But before long, his hair began to grow back. It's interesting to me that he had seven locks of hair. Seven is a very powerful number in the Bible. We know there's seven days of creation, right? In six days, God made the earth, and the seventh day, He rested. That there's seven sticks on the menorah, on the lampstand, in the temple, and in the tabernacle. The sevenfold Spirit of the Lord is spoken about in Isaiah chapter 11, 22. 11, 2. And then these, the sevenfold spirits of the Lord in theology speaks of these seven different personality types of God. It's spoken about in the book of Revelation, it's spoken about in Corinthians, it's spoken about by Isaiah. What are the sevenfold spirits of the Lord? Let me just describe them to you quickly. Number one is prophecy. Prophecy is to speak forth the word of the Lord, what God is saying, to say what God is saying. That's prophecy. Number two is service or helpfulness. We go to the Lord who is our ever-present help in a time of trouble. The Spirit of the Lord wants to help and serve. Number three is teaching, instruction. The whole Bible is given as instruction to us. His Spirit instructs us in righteousness. The Spirit of God guides us into all truth. Number four, encouragement. How many sometimes singing those songs and just singing to God, you feel encouraged? Why is that? Because God is here. God inhabits the praises of his people. You, you, you were mad, you were sad, you were, weren't feeling good. Suddenly you started singing, and all of a sudden, ooh, my spirit's lifted. Oh, I feel encouraged. Ooh, I think I can make it. I can make it one more day. Wow. Where does that come from? Didn't come from a drug. Didn't come from a pill. Didn't come from a drink. Came from God. Came from the spirit of God. The fifth spirit is generosity, giving. God is a giver. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God gives us a new day. His mercies are new every morning. He gives life. He gives hope. He brings light to the darkness like we sang about a few minutes ago. Number six, guidance, leadership. He gives us leaders. He is our leader. God is the ultimate leader. 
and he leads leaders and those who want to be wise counselors and leaders would be wise to listen to his leadership and to manifest whatever leadership he's manifesting through you to others to lead others with wisdom and strength and at times with righteous indignation and finally number seven and I think this is key is compassion isn't it something that there were seven braids and Delilah was cutting each braid I think each of these braids represented the sevenfold spirits of the Lord and the last braid represents compassion to cut off that last lock of hair they showed no compassion for Samson. They gouged out his eyes. They made him an object of ridicule. They sent him to prison to tread grain and publicly humiliate God's servant. You know, God won't stand for that. He doesn't care what you've done. God will not stand for people be, being publicly humiliated. God will have his justice. And then the story, it does end tragically and yet there's a triumph to it because his suffering is so great. Samson has reached the end of his life. Nothing's worked out for him. Love didn't work out for him. The money thing kind of came and went. He was sort of a disgrace to the people of Israel. His own people turned him over. And yet, when he's in Gaza, his hair's growing back. And you know what Samson does? He repents. He gets said, he says, God, I messed up. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I didn't realize you were with me the whole time. I was doing the wrong thing. I was trying to find my satisfaction in women and in parties and in, in, in just my way of doing things. God, if you'll just forgive me, if you'll fill me with your strength one more time, I will glorify you. And so they bring Samson to a giant party in the temple of the Philistines. They bring him out. They're, all the people are half drunk by now. And this is a big temple. In fact, the roof of the temple sat 3,000 people. Some, some people think there were giant pillars in a circle that had a giant roof on it so people could look down into an arena. So glad, like gladiatorial kind of games or animals could fight and people could watch what was below, like through, maybe through a lattice work. So it was a temple roof where people could watch below. And they would mock someone below, or they would just kind of have the show beneath, and everyone would party on top. So Samson says to his servant, guide me over to the, one of the pillars. And so, this is where I pick up the reading. Samson said to the young servant who was leading him by the hand, place my hands against the pillars that hold the temple. I want to rest against them. Now the temple was completely filled with people. And all the Philistine rulers were there, and they were about 3,000 men and women on the roof who were watching as Samson amused them. And then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me again. Oh God, please strengthen me one more time. With one blow, let me pay back the Philistines for the loss of my eyes. And then Samson put his hands on the two center pillars that held up the temple. Pushing against them with both hands, he prayed, Let me die with the Philistines! And the temple crashed down on the Philistine rulers and all the people. So he I turn from my sin, and I want to go your way. It's making a U-turn. <laughs> your life was going in one direction, and suddenly you go, uh-uh, 
I'm going this way now. There it is. It's making a 180. It's going, no, no, wrong way, wrong way. I'm gonna go this way. Maybe your life's been going in the wrong direction for a while. Can I tell you, today can be the day of the turnaround. Can, today could be the day when you stop living for yourself and you start living for God. If you'll repent of your sins and say yes to Him, you make Him the Lord of your life, you'll, you'll never be the same. Everything you know about God, everything you think about, your values, everything will change because you'll start to see the world through God's perspective. If you want to do that today, would you give me a thumbs up here online? Or if you need to commit your life to Christ or you want to rededicate your life to Christ, just raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me today. I need to, I need to come back around to God, make Him number one. Thank you. Anyone else, just give me a thumbs up if that's you. Church, let's pray the prayer of salvation for those who might be praying it for the first time. Say, Dear Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for going my own way. Please come into my heart. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining me here today, everyone. Uh, I, I'm going to press play on this. Thank you so much for tuning in today to the ministry of Summit Church and the daily outreach of Wayne Hanson. You can support our ministry in many ways. Click the donate button on our Facebook page, Summit Church of Castle Rock. Visit our webpage, mysummitchurch.com and click the online giving link. Or mail your donation to Summit Church of Castle Rock, 200 South Wilcox Street, Box 243, Castle Rock, Colorado, 80104. Or finally, text your gift to 303-625-9434 and follow the prompts using your smartphone. You can also support us by connecting with our online community. Comment, like, share, follow, and subscribe on our various social media channels. Of course, we appreciate you joining us in daily prayer. I'm Sean Rima, and on behalf of Pastor Wayne and the Summit Church family, take care and have a great week. Remember, God loves you, and He has a wonderful plan for your life.